Hey folks, Gavin Roth with another episode of the Roth Revenue Podcast, the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing, and this is the first episode of 2019. I hope your year is off to a great start. When I started the podcast, I promised a mix of guests from brand side to agency to property, and thanks to my incredibly gracious guests, I've been able to deliver on that promise. You've heard from influencers like Chris Lang, Brenda Woods, Brian Cooper, Dan McKenzie, and Dana Gladstone so far. And for today's episode, we shift back to the brand side and feature my chat with Hari Sivo of Molson Coors. Hari heads up sponsorship strategy and negotiation for the iconic beer company. He has negotiated sponsorships with NHL teams to the CFL to Live Nation and the Olympics. In this episode, you'll hear how he got his start in the business, insights into some really cool activations from Molson Canadian Rock's Blind Date to the Molson Canadian Snow Jam. Hari will share his thoughts on trends he's seeing in the sponsorship industry and some sage counsel for those looking to get into the field of sponsorship marketing. I hope you enjoy. And for more episodes, check out the Roth Revenue feed on SoundCloud or visit my website, rothrevenue.com, where you'll see a page with archive shows. It feels like throughout my career, whether it was WWE or uh, CFL or the Olympics, um, Golf Canada, yeah, every single one, Molson was was the, uh, the partner. So I've been, or I should say, this guy's been saddled with me. <laughs> For a long time, and and you know what's neat is is when you can cross over, and uh, it goes beyond just being a business relationship to a personal relationship. He's just one of the most respected uh, guys in the business, and and uh, somebody I've become very proud to call a friend, and uh, uh, appreciate that uh, you're sitting down with me today. Arnold. Oh, my pleasure. Good, my good. Pleasure. Um, so um, you've uh, before we get into it, I mean you've. Um, you know, if you go through the industry and hockey teams and, and properties, music, uh, there's very, like, there's very little that you haven't touched in terms of leading, um, sponsorship, uh, negotiations and strategy for, is there like, a, a sense of like, have you ever stepped back and said, um, uh, th- there's a, and quantified that and said how much I've, I've, I've been yeah. able to negotiate on behalf of Molson Coors? You know, I, I've actually have thought about it a few times and, and I've actually said that exact statement, which is I don't think there's a league or a team I haven't, you know, directly or indirectly been involved with. And it's either we're in partnership with them or if it's a competitive partnership that, you know, like ABI has or something that we've gone after it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, like you, and when you mentioned the Olympics, it's yeah. a great example of, of one of these things where. You know, I never thought I'd work on the Olympics and all of a sudden we get the games in Canada and all of a sudden we do a, a partnership, you know, and, if, and and I think it really is more a testament to the company yeah. uh, and Molson as as a, such a leader in the sports industry. And when I stepped into this, it was a very different company too. We did a lot of broadcasts at the time. Uh, Molstar obviously started yes. with Molson and then became Molson Sports and Entertainment. Um, but I was just, I think, fortunate just to get into yeah. a company that is involved in so much. So, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's a great segue into um, the first question, which is just kind of go back, you know, how you broke into this field, um, you know, yeah. you, you, 20 years, but uh, what, what led you here? 
Yeah, so I what led me here was actually I started uh, in the agency world, and I was working on Molson Business in, mm. in a couple agencies, uh, FCB, Ronald's Reynolds, um, and then I went to an agency called Amaradium Purist that was around for yes. a short while, and I actually worked on the competitive business, worked on, on uh, That's Labatt. That's right. As you say that, I was just thinking they were synonymous with Labatt. They were. They were. That. And so it was interesting. It was a very short tenure. I was there for about 10, 11 months, and in that time, uh, or at that time, Judy Davey, who yes. was who was uh, VP of, of media, um, hired me at Molson. And so when I started at Molson, it was actually in media. And I've been with Molson for probably nine months. And we then opened an office in Toronto. And we then opened on, uh, an office in Vancouver. And I was asked to go out and sort of run the media department and started effectively as like, you know, a per, uh, Department of One, effectively. But pretty pretty quick out of the gates. Yeah, yeah. Right? It was like nine nine months in, ten months in. Next thing wow. you know, we're moving to Vancouver, and uh, <laughs> it was it was it was interesting because my my now wife, then girlfriend Allie, she just she'd been in Canada for about three years, and she would barely got used to Toronto. And next thing you know, we're moving to the other side of Canada. So I dragged mm-hmm. her out there, and she loved it at the end too. But um, so I, in working in media, it was really just sort of almost a layup to get into the partnership world because at the time. Uh, we had a lot of we we had a lot of the broadcast rights uh, involved in in a lot of the hockey partnerships, so I was at the time dealing with Western Canada specifically. So we had partnerships with all three of the Canadian hockey teams out west with the with the Canucks, Flames, and Oilers. So I was dealing with the clubs a lot and sort of got more and more involved with the clubs, other pieces of those partnerships, and then. And then the music side, you kind of mentioned up front as well. We had an equity partnership with, at the time, House of Blues. Mm-hmm. It was a universal music that became House of Blues, Dallas Live Nation. And no one was really servicing that partnership up there. So I said, well, let me do it. Because that's probably my biggest passion of all. say servicing, like really getting the most yeah, out of it. Get, right? get, yeah. Getting into yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of things that we, we weren't doing, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And we had a, a pretty robust music program at the time. But... You know, we have this amazing partnership down the road that we weren't doing much with. We started to sort of work that um, for what that was. And that was all learning for me as well. Um, but so, you know, at the end, all of a sudden I'm involved in sports, I'm involved in music, mm-hmm. and I have the media side as well. Um, so, And what was what would the media side have meant? Like, because uh, certainly I worked agency side as a media planner, mm-hmm. right? And, and I get to uh, certainly know that media space uh, well, but... Uh, what would Molson have been? What would a role at Molson overseeing media have entailed? Yeah, so that would have been, you know, developing all of the media plans for the brands. Right. So, so working with your agency. Working with our agency. So we so we remember were, who who the agency is. It's Wavemaker, you know, yeah. and they've gone through so many name changes I can't remember anymore. But you know, right. they, they uh but but it was it was working hand in hand with the agency. And it yeah. was really developing so being sort of in the eye of the needle with the brand teams, working with every brand team, yeah. managing the agency relationship, gotcha. our AOR, um, and yeah, just yeah. it was it was it was. What were the right channels? What what was the right level of weight? Right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. Who's the target we were going after? Exactly. Yeah. And you and you know and the way and at the, obviously at the times while well, here in Toronto, there's yeah. a, there's a Judy was in Toronto, uh, lady named Deborah Kamladi, yeah, uh, was my counterpart here in Ontario, so they were doing the same thing. But I was also then. Call it dabbling in the sports and entertainment yeah. side. So you kind time. of veered a little bit out of your lane, but with permission, uh, into space that really wasn't being serviced effectively. And uh, that's cool. There's an analogy that I'll never forget. Uh, it was early in my career, and I was sitting down with an executive at uh, at Coke, and 
and talking about partnerships. And uh, he, he said, when you, when you acquire the rights to a property and don't activate, it's kind of akin to um, buying a beautiful sports car but leaving it in the garage yeah. under tarp, yeah. right? Yeah, like you want to you want to take it out for a ride. So Absolutely, enjoy it. good stuff. Absolutely, uh, and then just talk about the evolution then, I guess, of your role at Molson then in the twenty years. Yeah, so when when I ultimately and it's funny because when I actually started with Molson, one of the first questions Judy asked me was like, "What's your long term goal?" And I said to be in S and E sports and entertainment, and not really even knowing what that meant be truthful and she said okay well there's a chance that you could do it but there's no guarantees mm -hmm. so as things did evolve then over the course of the the following you know few years started mm -hmm. with running the media out west and then getting more involved in SNE, i was i was asked to come back to toronto uh, for the opportunity for the for the director role of running partnerships mm -hmm. and again even then you know we had a, a guy named pat mclean who was very well known in the industry sure and, and Pat was running things in Ontario beautifully. And so when we came, when I came back to Toronto, it was again, centralizing. So it was, it was, you know, we had the satellite office, if you will, out West, it was more sales driven, uh, less brand focused, but you know, the brand decisions were being in out of Toronto, but the role effectively expanded in the, in the sense that when I was out West, I wasn't necessarily negotiating the deals mm -hmm. uh, with, with the hockey teams, et cetera. But when I came back to Toronto, that's when I met you as well. Mm -hmm. And it was now it was really about doing the, the full workup of business cases all the way through to making decisions on renewals or new properties. Mm -hmm. um, so that evolution and then the music side of it as well. I mean, we were we were again, um, mostly Canadian, had a long history of music at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so we were I was heavily involved in, you know, those talent acquisition if you're doing proprietary events. And, and that whole area have now is, has now evolved in a massive way. If you look at our department here, it's S&E is, you know, 20 plus people. Yeah, we just walked through it. It was very, I was glad to see it. There's yeah. a good big size group. There. Yeah, it's yeah. like an agency within an agency. Yeah. And, and uh, agency within a company, I should say. And it's like, it's, a, it's amazing because we're unique in that way and in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I, when I first came back, it was just a handful of people working on properties. Yeah. Yeah. So even, the, even as, you, as, you, as you sort of drew that analogy earlier about activation, mm -hmm. that's the one area that we've really stepped up on over the last, you know, call it 10 years plus where I think about a lot of the things we've developed over time and very proud of, you know, yeah. we've got a team of, of amazing people around me and I just kind of watch them do their thing a lot yeah. of ways, but yeah. they're but you, incredible. You, you, you kind of are the glue that, that kind of facilitates, pushes them to, gives them a, the rights and make sure they have the rights to activate, right? Exactly. That, that's important. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Um, you know, mentorship um, is just something I, I I'm a big believer in. Um, uh, I've had my mentors. I I really try and and, and do take time to mentor um, other people. Um, uh, it's just I think it's such an important um, and growing area. Um, and I'm just curious over your career, like uh, can you think of any mentors uh, that that really helped influence you? Yeah, like the 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 person who who had a like a profound effect on on my career as Judy Davey for yeah. sure and and I'd say that she was the one who was uh, always always there always you know was an ear for me for sure um, and I think in a lot of ways it's led me to to be hopefully be that way with within the industry where I was worked with the SMCC and the mentorship program um, which I always felt someone gave me an opportunity to begin with and 
and that's all it usually takes is one person to sort of see something in you and i think and and you know you and i've actually talked about this before i recall that that i don't know where we were we were sitting on a panel or something and i said i guarantee you every one of us has that one person who gave us an opportunity yeah and and judy was that person but she was the mentor for me throughout throughout my career and uh and like i said now it's when i get you know the request to have a discussion have a coffee with someone who's trying to break in the industry yeah I always say yes. For sure. I always say yes. And it's amazing how many people I've watched go on to bigger, you know, great things. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah Jordan Vader. You know, I remember when he first came into the office and now look at him, you know. Well, you mentioned it's funny because uh, Vade's, um, um, you know, he, I hired him as an intern at yeah, WWE. Right. And I'll never forget how, you know, I, I would always just kind of sit back a little bit and marvel at the fact that you give these young folks an opportunity and they come in the office and how many of them squander it um and then that select few who you see get it right and jordan was one of those who gets it got it right out of the gate and um and was hungry for you know collaboration and insight and i was more than happy to give it and he would ask me you know like they were say thanks so much i said are you kidding me i'm i'm doing this for myself because one day you're gonna hire me (laughs) exactly and then flash forward the five to watch i wasn't at this one but i get my phone light up and everybody's saying jordan's on stage accepting his five to watch and he's going on about you as a mentor of his it was such an honor to hear that so I just think it's so important, and, and yeah, I always encourage people I meet with, find a mentor, mentors, like Chris Lang has been one for me, but I've taken something from everybody, yeah. right, to great bosses uh, over the years, right, Tom Wright, I saw Tom Wright yesterday yeah. at a function, and it was Lang's 50th anniversary party, and Tom was there, and and uh, just thinking, you know, when he was commissioner of the CFL and I was there, you learned so much from Absolutely. watching a guy like that operate who would treat, um, you know, we go out with the biggest clients, but he would treat the, the waiter or the busboy as well as he treated the CEO of the partner. He's just a, you know, like it didn't matter what your lot in life yeah. was, right? Yeah, he's amazing. Man. Yeah. Um, let's pivot to programs. Um um, you know, a, a, a partnership or sponsorship initiative that you've had your hands on in some way that you're really proud of and maybe a bit, bit about and why. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I always say this is, is uh, probably the greatest thing I ever worked on, mm-hmm. ironically, was the first thing I worked on when mm-hmm. I came to Molson. Um, and you I peaked like, too soon. Right? Yeah. And, and, and not truly knowing how brilliant it was until sort of years went on. And I'll always reference, you know, a program we did with Molson Canadian rocks called most Canadian rocks blind date mm. and you know being a big music fan um i remember going out west and being given this binder that basically was here's the program now go and execute it and i remember just reading but oh my god this is this might this is really being thrown in the frying pan you know mm-hmm. like this is like sink or swim time that mm-hmm. i was here alluding to and and I, I didn't let anyone really know that, but there was the nerves that were just firing in every direction uh, as, as I was starting to roll this out. But at the heart of it, the idea was so brilliant. And I know you know what Blind Date was. It was like having a band, like a super, like a massive band. It was like the first one was Soundguard, but you didn't know who the band was till the till the curtains open and you're in a club of 500 people. And then it was Smashing Pumpkins. It was yeah. Metallica, like wow. massive, massive bands. But my, my job was really just to roll out the media part of it and the, call it the complexity of it was really 
getting getting sort of media engaged in it first and foremost to get excited about it mm -hmm. and it was easy after a while because once the first show happened people got it but I, I'll always sort of say that the, the heart of it, it was the idea that was so brilliant yeah you know we executed it really well but but the idea was brilliant mm -hmm. and so you know at the time again being out west we were also we had a lot of license to try things and so we also created a program that I'm proud of um, called Molson Canadian Snow Jam mm -hmm. which was an action sports program that literally started out with a handful of people four or five people worked with an agency uh, called massive uh, a guy named skip taylor john dolly mm -hmm. and but it was really really just a, a beautiful sort of time to be able to say here's an initiative here's something we need you to work on you know we, we've got you know a little softness in, in southern alberta what can we do to hit our sort of legal drinking age to 24 target mm -hmm. it, was, it was you know top line brief and, and being allowed to just ideate with a cool group of people, come up with an idea that actually worked. And then it ended up spinning out to, you know, being a, a national program, actually extended down to the U.S. as well. Mm. So very proud of it. I mean, it was, but it was, I think it, it, it really spoke to that idea of like empowering your people, you know, yeah. putting trust and faith in the people that you have working for you. And those ones, so the first one, uh, there was the music, there was a music. Mm -hmm. partner right in that one who who would that uh, the, blind for, for, for blind date well yeah. blind date was it was, was it a variety of labels or did yeah you no we, we didn't yeah we didn't have a specific uh, uh we would have been working through i'm trying to think who was the property in that case that molson aligned with right because yeah it was, it was yeah it was it was it wasn't really it was you know we were dealing with you know it about the time like a house of blues yeah okay um for for the talent procurement that's what I was uh we were we were uh using an agency at the time called encore yeah and they're the ones who came up with the idea you yeah. know they were it was it was it was brilliant but at the end of the day they were they, that too, yeah it would but we weren't we weren't you know beholden to a specific label uh, okay. we were we we just worked with tried to get the artists right. that we wanted and and uh, uh lights just went out in the room it's actually a nice and uh setting yes very nice um the what about um in Snow Jam's case, was there a property involved? Or no, it was. It was. It was. It so sounded that, like that was something you almost created. We from, absolutely created that from from the ground. So yeah. it was our proprietary event. Um, you know, again, Blind Date was our proprietary event, yeah. and we we did a lot of that. Like even like prior to my starting at Molson, you yeah. know, uh, Molson Canadian cabin parties with yeah. Lenny Kravitz, and you know, yeah. it went on and on. And so it was just really an extension of that. How did you? Uh, track the effectiveness of those programs so like blind date let's mm -hmm. pick on that what was the what was the way to measure that it was working was it the amount of people who showed up it was it's a great question because blind date again you're talking to an audience of 500 people within during the live show but it was really the lead up to it it was yeah. really the lead up in the back cell where the, where the magic happened and especially as i said after the first show happened um then people got it you know, so the engagement and measuring it was we used to did a lot of work with IMI. Yes. Uh, with Don Mayo and his sure. team. Great, great company. Yeah. And so we measured everything. Yeah. And so when we talked about the effectiveness of the program, you know, the one thing that's always tough in the beer industry is to say, like, exactly how much beer you're selling because of that program. Yes. Because there's so much noise so in the marketplace. Yeah. Right. But as far as seeing how it moved against our, you know, LDA to 20, legal drinking age yeah. 24 franchise, those were the kind of measures we looked at. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, what about a program? Uh, those are two great examples. Love those. Uh, and what's really cool about them is they're not like these. They're big, but you know they're not like uh, like a Scotiabank Arena. Right? Mm -hmm. They're they're really uh, uh, focused. Um, what about um, 
a program that you haven't been involved in but you've admired from a distance? Anything caught your eye? Well, I'd, I'd always say that the sure, thing... Sure, there's lots, right? Yeah, right. I'd always say the thing that always catches my eye. It's almost anything Red Bull does, to be honest with you. Red Bull, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. Just, they're just... Yeah. They're, so, they're, they're so fearless in their approach, you know? Yeah. And I can't honestly say I know exactly how mm. their programs come to life. Yeah. But I've, I've understood that there's like a an idea funnel that will go all the way back to Europe and it's like check move on and you know things like the but I, what I love about them is, is they'll do things like you know have have spokespeople it could be a Mitch Marner I know he's a he's yeah. a Red Bull guy now is he yeah yeah okay. he's, a, he's a Red Bull guy and he um, so it's funny I almost think like is he on on brand for that well, he's such a wholesome yeah, looking I, guy you I, know. Know. I know I know that's but great watch watch him in his interview he's struggling to know Where's my Red Bull cap? And he puts it on, you know, the yeah, post game. Okay. But all right. So, but he he is. So they'll do they'll do that, you know, and and have have the Mishmaras of the world being their their spokespeople. Yeah. But then they did sort of a Felix Baumgartner Stratus yeah. guy jumping, you know, from space. Crazy. Uh, and and if they don't, you know, own a property or 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 I'm sorry, have someone own a property that they can just put their name on, that's cool. Yeah. They'll create it. Isn't like like Flutog and. Pardon? Isn't Crashed Ice uh, one of theirs? Yeah, Crashed Ice. Crashed yeah, Ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crashed Ice is. But I mean, if you think about it, they're into everything yeah. too. They're into surfing. They're yeah. into cliff jumping. They're yeah. into. But I love the spirit of it, and that's yeah. the point. Is I just think it's the it's, it's the fear, fearlessness that they have to try things. Yeah. And it it always catches my eye. Yeah. You know, yeah. and 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 it's and, it, and beautiful content. Fantastic. Like the quality of the the output and the, that you you want to watch it like the, the 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 cliff jumpers right with the wings and um, you know it's just with with the GoPros exactly everything they do is just uh, the best broadcaster quality that uh, it's beautiful to watch absolutely right? yeah absolutely uh, those are great um, okay let's wrap uh, with a couple. Um, uh, things actually, one thing I did want to ask you, and might be off script, but as before we get to the, the the personal, you know, advice and things, is any trends that you've noticed, um, you know, over time, like where we are today in sponsorship marketing and that that property uh, sponsor dance and dynamic. Are there trends that you're noticing that uh, you know, in terms of maybe how things are evaluated or mm-hmm. Or the types of programs that are out there becoming a little more micro and community focused, a growth of a different uh, genre like festivals, right, are becoming much bigger. Mm-hmm. Anything that stand out in terms of trends in the industry? Yeah, I think there's there's a couple certainly, and one of them speaks very directly to our category, which is it's the cost of sponsorships that yeah. are, and that has more to do with with the competitiveness within our category. Um, so they've they've gone up exponentially mm. and obviously as they go up it's always that that other side of it, which is how much money you have to activate now so it's always trying to find that balance um, but when it comes to you know trends outside the industry I'd say the biggest thing that I've seen and it sort of speaks to what you just mentioned about festivals is how much more people are activating mm. and so if you went to and we and we're involved in a lot of festivals and there was a time where I felt like we were the only ones really activating you know, and putting putting money behind something, and it could have been, you know, just creating a specific little area. But the way we're activating, um, you know, bringing in artists to do acoustic sets and whatnot, now it feels like in certain festivals, it looks like an apartment block of all these similar activations going on. And whether it's people just 
you know, looking over going, hey, what are these guys doing in the next year they're doing it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I've said, but, but at least it speaks to the fact that people are activating. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that's the key. Um, I think that the other part of it too is properties are becoming way more savvy as well in terms of their asks and requests. Mm-hmm. So they're not willing to always just say, take a check, if you will, yeah. and not activate, not have you activate. So that's yeah. an ask of them as well. And I think yeah. that's, that's something that for many years, you know, it never, it wasn't even, it wasn't built into our plans, into right. our, into our contracts. But a lot of activation now is. Yeah. So I've seen that sort of well, happen. The property or, is building a requirement for, 100%. for you guys to act. 100%. Because I know it, they, they, in your case, you didn't, you almost didn't need that because every time we've done, that's been the central discussion is right. I need room, I need money to activate. We're going to activate. This is how we're going to bring it to life. But many other brands, sponsors don't. Absolutely. So you're saying properties are now pushing the sponsors to. Absolutely, yeah. and that that and that is something that that um, you know certainly festivals for sure are are building it into almost every deal that I've done on on that side. Yeah. Um, but that, and, you know, and is that at the sacrifice of to them? Are they getting maybe less in cash and rights fees and and more uh, to leave you room for? Activation. I wish I could say that's the case, <laughs> so <they're> getting, <laughs> but it's they're getting both. You know what I mean? Like it's it is it is, and and you know at the end of the you're day, you're not doing your job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, but but it is it is you know again the competitiveness of the industry and they know what they're worth. Yeah. And and so it's it's it is really both. But I but again I think that's that's a good thing though. The activation, so the fun. fact that it's being in some ways you could say forced. It's not forced, but no. you know. It's a good thing. Because it means to if, me, it's if, accountability. It's accountability, yeah. and it puts and it makes us do what we should be doing. Maybe. Yeah, you know, yeah. in some cases, maybe there's the odd property we wouldn't do as much. Yeah, but it, it forces our hand a bit. Yeah, um, and I think I think that's a good thing. Good. Um, uh, you know, people who have had success in any field, I feel like they have certain personal habits that they lean on. Um, one person, Brian Cooper, I interviewed, he talked about meditation and, um, you know, the joke I like to use is, you know, are you waking up and doing one-arm push-ups right mm-hmm. every day? And, uh, you know, that's my method. Um, one-arm pull-ups, one-arm push-ups. <laughs> um, what, uh, anything that you just kind of attribute to, you know, being, being successful and maintaining a successful career and maybe work-life balance? Yeah, I think... It's funny, you kind of said, you know, curiosity is up, uh, was something you said up front. Um, and, and part of it goes back to my, my, my true love in life is music. Yeah. And so if you come to my house, you'll see stacks and stacks of music magazines. I'm still old school in that way that I'll read everything, but yeah. I'll still love to sort of just grab a, a music mag and, and pour through it. Yeah. And, and that's just because of my passion, I'd say, in, in that space. But the one thing that I, I realized that I do a lot is it's how much time I actually spend talking to to people in the industry, you know, that, that I'm not necessarily working directly with on anything, but it's, it's the have a coffee, have a quick fo- phone call mm-hmm. with someone and, it, and, and invariably the discussion is always about work as well. Mm-hmm. And it's not just as much as we're friends often, oftentimes. And it's amazing how many little jewels fall from the sky yes. when you have those conversations. Um, it's hard to say that, you know, I can't say that I, I'll, I'll read, you know, strategy magazine every month or, or whatnot, but there's articles that pop out to me that, I'll, that I will read, mm-hmm. but it's really driven through my, through my just general interest in this space. I guess yeah. it goes back to initially saying, this is what I'd love to do Yeah. because there's the things that I love. So and, curiosity and just, yeah. 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 And I, and I always say it to my, my daughters are now, you know, both 14 because they are twins. Um, so <laughs> yeah, the, how the, the, how did that work out? Yeah. But 
I always, you know, I, I've been saying this for years for them. Just says like, you, you, the challenge for you is to find something you truly love yeah. and, and focus on that because everything else will come. But if you can find that yeah. and then start to sort of really hone in on what does that mean, you know, from a career perspective or what I could potentially be doing when I get older and start yeah. to work. Um, and I think then your general love and passion around that will fuel the knowledge, you know, that, yeah. that you otherwise have. So well said. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's how I wanted to close was advice for anybody who wants to have a successful career or even break in. Uh, and it doesn't have to be in a sponsorship marketing, but uh, that's great general advice. Um, uh, you know, we're in a very sexy business, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of people who on the outside who, who would love to get into sports and entertainment and work for a big brand uh, like Molson and, and, and involved in, in music and sports. Um, uh, in that field specifically, is there anything that you would say to people if they wanted to break in? Because there's uh, quite a lineup, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the first thing that people need to understand and should accept, especially in this, in this space, is that, you know, yes, it's hard to get in, but, but getting in means probably not getting paid perhaps what you think you should be getting paid. Yeah. So be willing to get your foot in the door mm -hmm. and be willing to work really hard with long hours. Um, we've got a room full of people you know, beside us here who, who've done that. Yeah. Um, but it's the sense of, of being willing to start at the bottom yeah. and work your way up. Yeah. It's kind of what you, when, when you, when you talked about sort of Jordan yeah. and coming in and having that passion and that drive. Yeah. And that's what will set you apart. Mm -hmm. And you don't even know when it's happening. You're just doing, you be, you know, if you've got that within you, you're going to be noticed. You'll be noticed. And, yeah, and, and, all the time. and I just think that's the, that's, that's the key is to come in with an open mind, but also come in with the, with the willingness to start at the bottom and work your way up. I yeah. mean, when I, when I first started the agency world, everybody knows agencies. Oh. I was getting paid fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, money, you know. I mean, I was gonna share. My I, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of other places yeah. I could have gone that yeah. I. But 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 that's that's the point is is be willing to start. Just that was what in the forties or fifties. It was in 1930, <laughs> 32, I think it was. But 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 it is it is um it it is to me that's the that's the baseline. And then once you're in, I think the key thing that I've always told people here is let people know what you want to do. Yeah. So the fact that I was asked you know, early yeah. on, what, what do I want to achieve? Let people know what your interests are yeah. because you, you'll be, I'm not a mind reader, but yeah. for a company like Molson, there's a million different things you could be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that you even started this department, you may find it's not what you want to do, Yeah. but there's a perfect spot for you somewhere else in the company. Could be in Toronto, could be in other parts of the world, even if yeah. we're a global it's company. It's like merchandising your personal brand by just, you know, tell people what, what you stand for and what you want to do. And the more people are aware of that, then, an opportunity comes up. Hey, I think of absolutely. You know, Ali over there in in, in S and E, you know, or whatever. So well, that's it's funny because that actually ha that's the way in a roundabout way I got into S and E when I was out west because I knew there was you know an evolution going on that they wanted someone in that type of position, mm -hmm. and I I put my hand up at some point or mentioned it, and people knew I was already kind of working in the space, yeah. but that's I think more yeah. or less why I got the knock yeah. as well. You know. Um, well, I'll, I'll expand the size of your head as we wrap. I mean, you know, people, there's, as I said before, there's very few people more respected and, and known and trusted in the industry than you are. And uh, credit to the way you do things, the way you go about things. You're just a, 
a fair, uh, reasonable, great guy. Um, but uh, um, you know, it's been you've, you've you've done a lot of great things. So kudos and uh, thank you so much for imparting some of those insights uh, with with those listening. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Kevin. Yeah. My pleasure. Um, and folks, um, if you want to listen to additional episodes of uh, the Roth Revenue Podcast um, and the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing Series, just keep an eye on my LinkedIn feed. Uh, it will also be posted at rothrevenue.com and uh, wherever podcasts are available. Thanks for listening.